Welcome to the Wealthy Woman Podcast. You're here because you're a high-achieving woman that wants it all. The success, wealth, time freedom, and genuine joy in your life. Hi, I'm Lauren, and I'm here to tell you, you can. You can have it all. But what is true wealth? It's not just money and achievements because success without happiness and fulfillment isn't success at all. Here, we're going to have conversations about creating a beautiful life alongside the success that you're striving for. If you want to create long-lasting success that's fully in alignment with the life you desire to live by working less, making more, and stepping into the version of yourself you've always wanted to be, then you're in the right place. Let's roll into today's episode. Disney, Disney, Disney. Hello, gorgeous ladies. Today we're talking all about Disney World. (laughs) I just got back from a wonderful trip to Disney World with my kids. And so I want to give you a recap. I want to give you my tips on doing Disney with kids my age. I actually did an episode like this a couple of years ago back in 2021 when we went to Disney for the first time. So if you have toddlers, because the first time we went to Disney, my kids were three, no, four, four and two, four and two and a half. So if you have kids around that age, you want some tips for how to do Disney, go listen to episode 85 of this podcast. It was a really, really popular episode. It continues to get downloads to this day. So a little bit will probably be different because we went when the pandemic was going on. So there were things that were closed. We had to wear masks. That obviously does not apply anymore, but it's still a really great episode. So I wanted to do like an update episode from that episode now that my kids are two years older of what we did with our Disney trip this year because things have changed, right? We're not in the pandemic anymore, so things have changed that way. My kids are older, so things have changed that way. So I wanted to just give you all of the info in case you are planning a trip to Disney World or maybe after listening to this you're like I want to take my kids to Disney. So I have 30 minutes to record this episode before I have to go get my son. So talk fast Lauren. Talk fast. Okay so let's start out. Our trip to Disney was eight days. So we left on a Friday and we came back on a Saturday. Side note, I would highly recommend always coming back on a Saturday. I love getting back on Saturdays because it gives me all day Sunday to just do laundry, get things organized, go grocery shopping, get ready for the week. If I come back on a Sunday, I start my week off feeling really behind. So I would recommend coming back on a Saturday from any vacation that you take. So we went Friday to Saturday. It was 8 days we had seven full days that we were in Florida and so the way that I structured it we got in at like 7 45 on Friday night so I knew that I didn't want to do a park on Saturday because I knew by the time we got to the hotel and got everything organized it would be a lot to try and get up and do a park on Saturday so rewind we're there for seven full days 
we are going to do, we decided on four parks. So the first day, Saturday, we did a pool day. Then Sunday, we did a park. Monday, we did a park. Tuesday, we did another pool day. Wednesday, we did a park. Thursday, we did a park. And then Friday, we ended with a pool day. Highly, highly, highly recommend that schedule. Again, it was nice on Saturday to just kind of get into the swing of relaxation, to not wake up on the first day of vacation feeling rushed like we had to get to the park. The kids were dying to get into the pool. So it was perfect to have a park day that day. And then I found we did this same order the last time we went when the kids were four and two and a half and it worked really well. We didn't go for eight days the previous time we went for seven days and we did do a park on the first day, first full day we were there, but our flight got in a lot earlier. So we were at our hotel by like mid afternoon on Saturday. And so we had time to go to the pool Saturday afternoon, get things organized where it didn't feel like really rushed to get ready to go to a park on Sunday. But Um, doing the two parks and then kind of like a rest day and then the two parks and then finishing with a rest day worked really well when the kids were two and a half and four and it worked great this time when they're four and a half and six. So pool day, park, park, pool day, park, park, pool day, came home. Our hotel. So the last time we stayed at Disney, we stayed on property and at that time they had the Disney transportation service so they had these big coach buses that you could take from the airport to the hotel so we didn't have to rent a car it were it was great this time we decided to stay off property Now, the reason we decided to stay off property this time was simply because I could not find a hotel room at one of the hotels on property that I wanted. When we travel, it is like (laughs) mandatory that we have at least two rooms. My husband and I do not like being in a hotel room with our kids. (laughs) And I know that might sound bad, but if you have kids our age, you know it. It's just a very small, cramped space, and our kids still will nap. So if you are all in the same hotel room and you're trying to put your kids down for a nap, where do you go? Like, I have literally spent nap times on the bathroom floor, and it's not great. So this is not do Disney on a budget. I'm going to say that right now. This is the wealthy woman podcast I am not interested in doing Disney on a budget (laughs) this is doing Disney in a way that feels absolutely incredible so we require I require that we have either like two adjoining hotel rooms or some sort of suite that has Uh, two bedrooms or when we stayed at the Animal Kingdom Resort we had a one-bedroom villa and the kids slept on the pull-out couch in the living room and then we had our own bedroom and that worked out great but I booked in December and like all of the villas were already booked I could not find an available villa or suite or anything that had two bedrooms or like a living room with a pull-out couch on any of the Disney properties that I wanted to stay on. 
So we decided to look outside of the Disney properties and we found this hotel. The hotel we stayed at was called the Grove Resort and Water Park in Orlando. It was fabulous, you guys. They have all two and three bedroom villas. So it was like we had our own little apartment. You have a kitchen, you have a living room, dining table. There was one bedroom with two queen beds and a bathroom. And then there was the master bedroom with had, which had like a sitting area off of it that also had a bathroom for itself. It was perfect. And it was less than, it was significantly less than staying on property. So we decided to do that simply because that's the kind of room situation we wanted. Now, when you stay off property, the thing is you need a car. So we did rent a car this time. The When we went in 2021, we did not rent a car because we stayed on property and they bus you to the different resorts. This time we rented a car and it was not bad. We drove to all of the parks. We... I'm getting ahead of myself. I have tips for that. Okay, let's get back to the hotel. So on property versus off property, I liked them both. I told my husband if we, not if, when we go again, which probably won't be next year, maybe the year after that, I would like to stay on property again. There's just some sort of like ambiance about being on the Disney property, but I will have to book much further in advance because those types of rooms that I want book up really far in advance. So on property versus off property. On property, it's going to cost more. You don't need a rental car. Off property, it's going to cost less. You probably are going to need a rental car. I would say that was the big difference. It's probably still cheaper to stay off property, even with the rental car and the parking. It probably was still less expensive, but that's not really again this is the wealthy woman podcast that's not the reason that we chose to stay off property it, it was more based on well this is what we want and this is where we can get what we want so in terms of parking okay I did have parking under my hotel notes in terms of parking we parked we paid extra for parking so we went to Universal Studios we went to, and then we went to three Disney parks. At Universal Studios, uh, we paid for valet parking. I did this last year when I took the kids to Universal Studios. It was the most brilliant idea. It was 75 bucks. You pull up, you unload, you give them your keys, you are like right near the entrance of the park. They take your car away. When you're done for the day, you just go back. You give them your number. They bring your car around. It's amazing. You don't have to worry about remembering where you parked your car. You don't have to walk nearly as far. Highly, 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 highly recommend valet parking if you're going to Universal Studios. And again, I don't feel like $75 is that much. So $75 for valet parking at Universal Studios. At Disney, they didn't have valet parking, but they have preferred parking. Preferred parking is just much closer parking to the entrance of the park than standard parking. Standard parking was $25 per day. Preferred parking was 50 bucks. I was like, pay the 50 bucks. I want to be close to the entrance of the park. So we did preferred parking at all of the parks. 
And I would say, I mean, at Hollywood Studios and at Animal Kingdom, we were like very, very close to the entrance. Magic Kingdom, we were, I would say that was like the best place to do preferred parking because you then have to take like the monorail or the ferry over to the Magic Kingdom. And it just felt like their parking, like you could get a lot further away with standard parking. So I was very happy with preferred parking at Magic Kingdom. Okay, so we did schedule, we did hotel. Let's talk about restaurants. No, let's talk about parks. Okay, so I said we did Universal Studios. We did that on Sunday. We did Hollywood Studios on Monday. We did Magic Kingdom on Wednesday and Animal Kingdom on Thursday. When we went in 2021, we did all four Disney parks. I didn't feel like there was a ton that my kids really enjoyed at Epcot. We honestly were only at Epcot for like two and a half hours. The only thing they were really into was the Frozen ride. So this year, we decided to forego Epcot. So we did Universal Studios, Hollywood Studios, Magic Kingdom, and Animal Kingdom. Looking back for next time, I probably would choose to do Islands of Adventure over Universal Studios. So... They're all under Universal Studios, but they're two separate parks. You can do a ticket for one or the other, or you can do a ticket for both. So the last year when I took the kids and this time we did just Universal Studios, the rides at Universal Studios are mostly all 3D rides, and they have a height requirement of 40 inches. There is a cute kids area at Universal Studios that the kids played in last year. It, however, was closed this year. They must be redoing it. So that was a bit of a bummer because they had a really cool roller coaster there, a a really cool play area, and we couldn't do that. When we looked at Islands of Adventure after the fact, it seemed like there were more ride, actual rides for kids at Islands of Adventure. So when we go back in a couple of years, we'll probably do Islands of Adventure over Universal Studios. Then, like I said, we did Hollywood Studios, Magic Kingdom, Animal Kingdom. Honestly, I think that my kids probably loved Hollywood Studios and Animal Kingdom the most. My kids are really into rides, like really into rides. The Star Wars area at Hollywood Studios is so cool. They also have a Toy Story area. It's just incredible what they have created there. My son did Tower of Terror. He was tall enough to do that. So they really, really enjoyed Hollywood Studios. And then Animal Kingdom is my favorite park. There's just so much to do there. And they really enjoyed that. They enjoyed Magic Kingdom too. Magic Kingdom with the castle is fantastic. But we didn't do any of like the character meet and greets or eat at any of the, you know, special restaurants. So Magic Kingdom, it had quite a few rides that they really enjoyed but the lines were the longest at Magic Kingdom by far I would say. So let's go to that since we're talking about lines then we're going to talk about height requirement. So lines. There is this wonderful service now 
called Disney Genie Plus, which I did not realize until I was kind of researching, trying to set up our day the night before our first Disney day. So we did Hollywood Studios first and I was on the app kind of like navigating it, figuring it out, figuring out how it worked. And I saw this Disney Genie Plus and I was like, what is that? So what it is, is you pay, well, at this time of the year, I guess the price can fluctuate depending on the time of the year. But what we paid was $35 extra per person. So $140 extra per park to get access to the lightning lane. This is like what used to be the fast track. It's the short line. (laughs) And the way it works is you can get on at 7 a.m. and you can choose a ride that you want to get in the lightning lane and it'll give you an hour window for you to go on that ride now you can only choose one ride at a time so I would go on the night before and kind of look at the rides I knew we wanted to do or I'd go on the day before and kind of look at the rides I knew we wanted to do and see what rides had the longest line and I was like okay when the Disney Genie Plus opens for the next day, I'm going to book the lightning lane for the ride we want to do that has the longest line. And so I would do that. And then what happens is I think it's either two hours after you book that or if you ride the ride, whichever comes sooner, at that point you can then book another ride lightning lane. So we got... I think at every park we did the lightning lane for three or four rides. They say on there that typically it's only two to three rides, but I'm pretty sure at every park we did it, we got it for at least three rides, sometimes four rides. And it was amazing. I'm talking like lines were, so at Hollywood Studios for the Star Wars ride that was super popular, that line was like two hours long. At every park like the most popular ride the lines were like two hours long and you get to skip the entire line we probably waited like five minutes in those lines so worth it you guys so worth it and that's just for one ride and we got it for three to four rides so we really only waited a long time in line for like probably two rides a day the longest we waited was like 75 minutes maybe for a ride and the kids did good you know there was some some whining some complaining but overall they did good but I would highly 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 recommend this Disney Genie Plus paying for it using the lightning lanes the cool thing about this and this will lead me kind of into the height requirements is So there are four of us and I would just sign all four of us up for the ride. But Avery was not tall enough to go on some of these rides. So the height requirement for the bigger roller coasters like Space Mountain, like um, um, the one of the rides, one of the Star Wars rides. Well, actually, I don't think the height requirement was crazy for that. She just didn't want to do it. But Space Mountain, um, the Everest Mountain roller coaster at Animal Kingdom, Tower of Terror at Hollywood Studios. Oh, that one's only 42. Okay. So Space Mountain and the Everest roller coaster, those height requirements were 44 inches. Avery is like 43 inches. But I I signed all four of us up for the lightning lane. So what ended up happening is 
Brady would one of us would stay with Avery and the other one would take Mason on the ride using the lightning lane and then when they were done the other one would take Mason on the ride again using the lightning lane and he would just use Avery's card because she couldn't go on it so Mason ended up getting to ride on these roller coasters twice which he was so pumped about because he loves roller coasters this kid is six he did the tower of terror he did space mountain twice he did the everest mountain roller coaster three times he is a roller coaster junkie he absolutely loves it avery actually loves roller coasters too so when she's tall enough to do these ones she's gonna have a heyday but that worked out phenomenal like the the line for space mountain was two hours and Mason got to go on it twice in a matter of like 20 minutes. It was incredible. Highly, highly, highly recommend paying for the Disney Genie Plus. Now Universal Studios has something similar. And I believe if you stay at the Universal Orlando Resort, it's free to get the like fast pass. But if you don't stay there, it was almost $300 per person to get the fast pass for Universal. So I decided that that wasn't worth it to me. And we did not do that for Universal Studios. So we did wait in some lines. It wasn't bad. I think the most, the longest we waited in a line at Universal Studios was maybe 40 minutes. Maybe. No. Yes. Yes. Maybe 40 minutes. The longest lines we waited in were. The Tower of Terror, which was 70 minutes, and then of all things, the Jungle Cruise ride at Magic Kingdom. We I think we waited in that line for like 80 minutes. But everything else was usually like 40 minutes, 30 minutes, 25 minutes, and then we did the lightning lanes. So let's talk about height requirements. When we went two years ago, we did a lot of the like really little kid rides that had height requirements of like 36 inches. So I think the height requirements are usually like 36 inches, 40 inches, 44 inches, and 48 inches. So the reason we were excited to go back this time was because the kids could do a lot of the rides that they couldn't do last time. Mason was not 40 inches the last time we went, so we could only do the rides that had the 36 inch or no height requirement. So there were a lot of new rides that we could do. And so just measure your kids before you go. So you know what their height is and you know what rides you can take them on. But a lot of the rides, the height requirement is only 40 inches. Like I was really surprised. I would say just the bigger roller coasters. So the only ones that really had 44 inch ones that I remember were the Everest roller coaster at Animal Kingdom, the Flight of Passage um, Pandora one at Animal Kingdom which we didn't end up doing and then the Space Mountain roller coaster was 44 inches the other the new roller coaster at Magic Kingdom the Tron one is 48 inches but like Tower of Terror was a 40 inch one there was another roller coaster we did at Magic Kingdom that was 40 inches that Avery loved there were a lot of the rides were 40 inches so both of the kids could go on those and they they absolutely love them. Let's talk about restaurants. So I had every intention of booking some like awesome restaurants in the Disney parks when I booked this trip back in December. I went on and I was like, I'm going to book the restaurants right now. I found out you can't book the restaurants until I think it's two months prior to your travel day. 
So I had made a, cal- a note in my calendar to get on and book the restaurants. The first day they opened up, I never did it. It ended up working out really well. Like we are very go with the flow people and I don't like having to be at a certain place at a certain time when we're at a park because I just want to go where we want to go, right? So it ended up working out really, really well. My kids are not like, they like seeing the princesses and the characters, but I don't think they would have been like enamored by like a meet and greet breakfast with the characters or anything like that. So what we ended up doing is we just did mobile orders. So when you get to a park, you can look at all the dining options and what they do now and this is actually this actually started with COVID is they have dining windows where you can submit mobile orders. So you pick your pickup time, so you pick your restaurant you want to go to and we really we usually just picked a restaurant near where we were when we were hungry and you can pick your window that you want to the time window the time that you want to pick up your food you can or you go through the menu on your phone in the app you you order everything you hit submit and then it says your order has been received let us know when you arrive and we'll prepare your order so you could get on at like eight in the morning and decide where you wanted to eat decide what your pickup window is, place your entire order before you even get to the park. And then all you have to do is you have to, when you get to the restaurant, you notify them that you're you're there, they make your order, and then they call your number. It worked out fantastic for us. So we would eat breakfast at our apartment or condo, whatever you will. We had a kitchen, so we just ate breakfast there. We brought snacks with us. We would eat lunch at the park, and then we usually left before dinner. So we never ate dinner at any of the parks. But the mobile orders on the Disney Plus app, I would highly, highly, highly recommend. And there was it was a similar process at Universal Studios. So it was very, very easy very self-explanatory, and very seamless. So the last thing I want to talk about is when we went to the parks. So again, we're, we're much more laid back, like relaxed people when we travel. I don't like having a lot of plans when I travel. I really like to go with the flow. I don't like to feel like I'm in a rush. So most of the parks opened at 9 a.m. except for Animal Kingdom opened at 8 a.m. We were definitely not the people that were there right when the park opened. I would say other than Animal Kingdom, we probably got to Animal Kingdom between 9 and 9.30. But that one opens at 8. All of the other parks we rolled in around 10, 10.30-ish. And we were there for six hours, probably six, six, seven hours and then so like 10 to 4, 10 to 5, and then we would leave. And it worked out really well. I know that if we would have gotten there early, we probably would have been able to get on some rides without having to wait in as long of lines. But I just don't like feeling rushed in the morning. I don't like putting that stress on the kids, on my husband. He still works when we're on vacation, so I know he has things he has to take care of in the morning. So it really worked out like I would not get worried about not being at the park right when they open. 
The one thing I will say is it takes a lot longer to get to the Magic Kingdom Park because you have to take the monorail or the ferry to get to the park from the parking area. So that process was like an hour long process. Everywhere else you just park and you walk in. So it it doesn't take much time. But that one took a lot more time. So give yourself more time when you are going to Magic Kingdom. That is really what I've got for you in terms of tips, in terms of a recap, in terms of what we did at Disney. I absolutely love Disney World. I highly recommend going. I highly recommend taking your kids. We've now taken them when they were two and a half and four and now four and a half and six. Both times have been absolutely incredible. Oh, the other thing I wanted to tell you guys. So when we took them when they were two and a half and four, we brought our Bob double stroller. And it was a great idea. We were actually not going to bring a stroller this time. And as we were like getting closer to the trip, I just kept thinking to myself, I just feel like it's a bad idea not to bring a stroller. Like I just feel like it's a bad idea not to bring a stroller. Like where am I going to put all my stuff, number one? And number two, like Avery complains about her legs getting tired. So I knew Mason probably would be fine without a stroller, but I had a feeling Avery would not. So we ended up bringing our Bob single stroller and it was the best decision you guys the best Mason was great walking like almost the entire day every single park he he didn't complain he wore tennis shoes he didn't have a problem and he's six Avery would not have made it (laughs) I don't think she would have even made it half a day the stroller was key and there were there was one day where she actually took a nap in the stroller she laid back she fell asleep we put the thing down and I was so glad we had the stroller I probably said it multiple times a day every day to Brady I'm so glad we brought the stroller I'm so glad we brought the stroller I'm so glad we brought the stroller so if you have a six-year-old I would say maybe you don't need a stroller Anything less than that, even like five, I would recommend bringing a stroller or renting a stroller or something because it's a lot of walking. It is. I mean, it's tiring for me. So they're little legs and I knew I didn't want to be carrying my daughter around. So I would highly, highly, highly recommend single stroller or double stroller if you have one child or more than one child that are five years old or younger. And then you just have that option. Plus, it's a nice spot to put stuff like put water bottles, put your backpacks, put ponchos. We brought ponchos that we bought the last time we were there. We used them. I think we used them at every park. So it's just a great place to put stuff. So that is my those are my tips. That's my recap. I love Disney again. I think that's what I was saying before I got on the tangent, the stroller tangent, but I love Disney. My kids love Disney. We had so much fun. We had a great time staying where we stayed this year. The pool area was phenomenal. So if you decide to stay at the Grove, the pool area is great. They have a kid play area that has like three water slides. They have this whole separate like kid park area. They have a lazy river that the kids swam in forever. They have a huge, huge, huge pool. They have a flow rider surf thing, which if you've watched my Instagram stories, you saw that we tried on the last day. And then they have two bigger water slides that my kids were not quite tall enough for. So we did not 
do. But um, it was it was a great place to stay. We had a lot of fun. I know we'll be going back in probably not next year, but maybe the year after that. And so I hope this helps you guys. I hope that hearing my tips, hearing how we structured things, how we scheduled things, what we used, what we didn't use, where we stayed. I know that these trips, planning these kinds of trips can be really overwhelming. The first time I planned a Disney trip, I was very overwhelmed and I was very scared that I was going to mess everything up. And I could do a whole episode on tickets and reservations and all of those things. We're not going to get into that here. But I know it can be very overwhelming. So hopefully this helps take some of that overwhelm away for you. And yeah, this was just a fun episode. And if you're like, what does this have to do with the wealthy woman? I believe that wealth is, I believe that having the money to travel the way you want, to do the things you want, having the time, having the freedom to do these kinds of things with your kids is what being the wealthy woman is all about. Being able to be present, being able to take time off, being able to go away, like that is part of being the wealthy woman. So when I started thinking about doing this episode, I was like, can I really do an episode on Disney on this podcast? I was like, heck yeah, this is like the embodiment of the wealthy woman this trip. So I hope you guys enjoyed and I've got so many amazing episodes planned for you over the next few months. I just cannot wait to get into what we're going to get into. So hopefully you come back. Let me know what you thought of this episode. Head on over to Instagram or Telegram. Shoot me a message and I can't wait to chat with you there. I will talk to you guys at our next episode. Bye. Okay, you wealthy woman, real quick before you go, if you found value in today's episode, please subscribe, share this with your friends, and leave me a review. Leaving a review is so simple, but I didn't know how to do it at the beginning either, so I'm going to walk you through it. All you have to do is, whatever app you're listening to this podcast on, find this show, The Wealthy Woman, scroll down, you'll see stars, and with those stars, you can leave me a rating and review. I'd love you so much for taking the time to do this. In all honesty, the reviews are what help the podcast get into the hands of other women desiring to create true wealth and manifest their dream lives. Okay, I'll let you get back to your day. See you next time.